0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we normally rank every story from A to Z, uh, but we're not doing that this time. Adam. Hi, I'm Adam,
1: <laughs> and we're not I'm, doing
0: that this week. <laughs> we aren't. Uh, I'm Zach, by the way, and with us this week is one of our favorite writers uh, on the ongoing X-Men Don of X new world order everything going on a kind of event thing you may uh you may know her from such books as strike force as death's head uh excalibur and the upcoming ten of swords it's teeny howard teeny how are you today
2: wow i'm very excited today because we are on uh ten of swords eve
0: yes we we are (laughs) when this when this episode is being recorded it is right before uh it's before the Wednesday of Ten of Swords coming out uh, for the preludes, and that's very exciting. And uh, while you're listening to this, guys, Creation is in a couple of days. It's this big ol' event. event uh, Teeny is co-writing it with Jonathan Hickman. Pepe Larraz is doing the art. Marte Gracia is doing some colors. It is... I mean, I've not read it. I bet it's good. Sounds good. It's dynamite. <laughs> uh,
2: it's really, really good, honestly. Like... Uh, I I know I say honestly, and it's like, well, why wouldn't you be honest? But, you know, I know that you guys and and comic fans as a whole hear a lot of this stuff from us, hear a lot of this. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. It's going to be epic. But, like, oh, man, like, we've been just doing, you know, so much. This past month has been so much uh, sword work for me. (laughs) So much,
1: (laughs) so much of just
2: everything, you know, keeping everything running, everything with uh, tweaks and 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 notes and and sharpening every little blade and and dotting all of our i's and and crossing all of our t's um and in that i've gotten to you know really go back and and deep dive read everything uh and in order and it's just so good this event is just so good i'm so proud of everyone i'm so excited for you guys to read it i'm so excited to be a part of it uh it's gonna be a blast (laughs)
0: I, I think we're excited And I, the first uh, Yeah <laughs> The first question does uh, Come from that event uh, You are you are co-writing this With Jonathan Hickman I am Do you think Do you, do you think he was intimidated uh, When he found out He had to co-write this with you Well Do you think, do you he, think was. he was Shaking in his boots He,
2: he did a little crying But I, I went <laughs> And you know I put my, my arm around him And I was like Little buddy Buck up You I think know how to write a comic And I think they're gonna love you Um No, that's not how it went. (laughs) No, in all in all honesty, I I keep saying it, but like John deserves so so much credit for being uh, a writer who saw that I. Was working on stuff that you know thematically could jive with the stuff that he was doing and instead of saying Mm -hmm. like get off my turf he said like no come on let's make it bigger and that's like what happens in the x room over and over again there are just so many things there are things we're working on ten of swords is like this and there are things in the future that you guys won't even know about for like a year at least just stuff in the future (laughs) that uh is so so much of it comes together from from that you know like jonathan and i got to do it with ten of swords and there are other things you'll see coming forward that are very clearly uh people looking at what they wanted to do and realizing that they could do it better if we did it all together um and do it better if if it was you know reaching across to uh whoever's writing and drawing the other books and saying hey let's let's both lean into this story let's both build this up um it's so cool that we work that way and Jonathan deserves so much credit for that because you know we've all really started to work that way together but there are a lot of writers especially a lot of writers with Jonathan's career behind them uh who would totally not be as receptive to the sandbox approach um as he is but you know he loves when we cause trouble on his island so
0: (laughs) Well, one one of the things that has been causing trouble uh, is your your run on Excalibur. Uh, issue twelve is out now; it's great. Go check it out, folks. Uh, but your pitch for that was initially described in a lot of interviews as less of a traditional pitch and more of like a treatise on mutant magic and a bunch of thoughts of it culturally, which is a very different place than you know a lot of pitches seem to start. So, how did the development of excalibur into the book that it is today into this big event benefit from starting in such a different and unique place
2: that's a great question um we try yeah (laughs) (laughs) i mean so much of it was just that the approach for don of x was just not a typical approach in a lot of ways you know like we were uh asked if we wanted to be involved and then we were given some reading to do and then we were asked um you know if after the reading we still liked what we saw and um
0: i i have to jump in here was that reading just of the event or were there supplementary materials uh I mean... that was like these are the themes that you guys are going to be leaning into or things like that
2: oh no i mean okay, we were approached before Hawksbox was out um sure the dawn of x writers and it we were told here's i mean jonathan had a, a a had has you know a, a story bible document uh that mm-hmm. was his you know um it was like a big thick i don't want it was probably like 10 or 15 pages it was a lot um that was like maybe it was less than that i don't know what i'm remembering now but uh it was a really really <laughs> big document that was like jonathan's angle on it um some big plans a lot of the the stuff that you know um you guys saw changed in Hoxpox was laid out for us as big changes, um, some ideas, some thematic stuff, but frankly, uh none of the stuff that it, none of it nothing in that document was like, here are the books we need to start with, here are some story ideas. Jonathan was like, here's what I'm writing. Do you think this is cool? Yes or no? And I like checked, yes. <laughs> and he was like, Okay, uh, come to New York and tell me what you want to do. <laughs>
1: i love the idea of jonathan hickman passing you like a little will you go to prom with me pass. Like, <laughs> you know a little check boxes
2: uh yeah um. ben and jerry are like we got these too uh yeah so <laughs> is he taking all of us to prom um no so it was like it was, it was really really open-ended like i mean that is one thing i'll say like that i'm very proud of with excalibur is the very weird approach it, was all me like <laughs> um i wasn't told to write excalibur i wasn't told to write a magic book we didn't say we had to have a magic book i read jonathan's work and i showed up in new york and showed up in the room with uh you know the editors and the other prospective Dawn of x writers and um uh we got to talking and we you know we read out uh we read out pitches and um and i had i had like some other ideas, but really what I had was that core pitch. But, you know, Jerry pitched Marauders and it was a a book about, you know, the high seas and 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 Kitty was the captain. And and he pitched very much what we saw at what became Marauders. Uh and then, you know, Ben knew that he wanted to write Wolverine and X Force. He knew right away that was where he wanted to go. Um Mm -hmm. and so I think I was kind of like the wild card. And so uh, I came in and was like, well, I, I want to do um, a book about what I... So the-, the-, the core of it was me saying, okay, well, well, I read Jonathan's pitch for, you know, Mutants Happily Ever After or whatever. And I was like, what happens to Apocalypse? Um, you know, what happens to the boy he got everything he always wanted? Like, what does he do here? <laughs> uh, and to me, the answer was, well, he would go back and want to reclaim... Things that had been lost to mutants because they weren't allowed to thrive, um, hmm. and I'm I I love the very uh, ethically complex field that is anthropology, um, because I just love the study of of uh, of cultures, and to me that's really what broke the idea that I wanted to do this this magic book about me. magic was that I was like well, culturally this is a thing that mutants never got to develop. They never got to have mutant mythology and mutant magic. And and really anthropologically, when we talk about magic, we talk about it as this nebulous thing that does a lot of things, right? Like Apocalypse talks about it in that speech in the beginning of Excalibur One, where he says, you know, um, like you all have, you know, scientists now and, and, and and, you know, doctors and we've forgotten about the, the, the role of, of, magic in a society and um when that person was the person who both you know watered made sure your crops got rain and also made sure your baby was born okay uh i think that's a really culturally fascinating role and it's one that i wanted to explore in excalibur um so mutant magic i think a lot of people are like why aren't they throwing fireballs at each other if they all have mutant <laughs> magic yet now and i'm like because and look maybe we'll get there but like <laughs> <laughs> like it's not when I say I want them to learn mutant magic I don't mean like it's a new D&D prestige class mutant magic is a <laughs> cultural thing. Um and I brought this idea to the room and and uh it also very we we had we had touched on some things at the beginning of the week or their yeah our, our meeting together that we were like, you know, What are some things we really, what's the status quo for some characters that we really want to make sure we're able to um, give a good story to in this new era? And two of those characters were uh, Betsy and Panon uh Mm -hmm. and so it seemed like it just kind of came together where i like pitched this book that i wanted to do and john and jordan i'll like i'll never forget they like looked at each other and looked at me and said well that's excalibur and then at the same time all three of us were like that's what we do with betsy (laughs) (laughs) that's and uh i love that yeah and and from there we just all knew uh where the book was gonna go and i'll be honest it took me I think I rewrote the first issue like two and a half times. Uh, Like just because I wrote the first attempt and was just like, this is wrong and scrapped it Mm. like before, you know, before anyone drew it or anything. I was just Mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, but I I love that. I love that. I didn't scrap it because someone told me it sucked. I scrapped it because I work with people who are really, really great at helping me identify and reach for the best version of what I want to do. Um, and so when I get notes, sometimes I just know that what I've got is not the best version of what I can do yet. And I got to make it better.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, it's it's interesting that you bring up that difference between a cultural anthropomorphic, not anthrop, anthropo- anthropological, anthropological, Anthropomot- yeah, the anthropomorphic's like dogs that walk like peoples. <laughs> yeah. uh, they're, like, they're like crocodiles that have four arms and several swords and whatnot. Uh, that's an anthropomorphic. Uh, but no, uh, it's interesting you bring that up, because spoilers, people, if you haven't read last week's X-Books, I said I was gonna say this at the beginning, and I didn't, so I'm saying it now, we're gonna get into some deets.
2: Oh, you'll hear it in Teenie's voice. Teenie is going to spoil some of Excalibur 12 for you, so if you haven't read Excalibur 12 yet, I'm not mad at you, but I don't want you to listen to what I'm about to say if you don't want to be spoiled. We're also going to
0: touch on X-Men 12, but just as a comparison point. We can
2: talk about X-Men 12
0: too. Uh, So what I I found interesting while I was reading those, those are the first two parts, the prelude to Ten of Swords. Uh, They both take different approaches to magic. Uh, Yours and Excalibur is very much what you were just talking about, about magic culturally, uh, a bit more of like a grounded occult approach, where Jonathan Hickman's book in X-Men 12 is taking a bit more of the by the way uh there's this very cool D&D ass world uh <laughs> where apocalypse's wife is mm-hmm. um how did you marry those two styles one that's you know more historic and you know cultural magic versus but also these people will throw fireballs yeah
2: um so a lot of that will be answered for you when you learn more about locations um, involved, like where this place is that she's from, and 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 all that, and you'll learn a lot more about that in creation. Um, that's you know, that that's I mean that's not a spoiler. I just want you to be excited. Um,
0: I am. You'll you'll oh, start. We're yeah,
2: you'll start learning more <laughs> about that in creation. There is uh, there's in those issues you guys have just read um, in both those those twelves. Uh, there is still a lot of mystery. Um, but oh,
0: absolutely, you
2: know, uh, Apocalypse uh, and, and Richter have succeeded in opening massive, massive gate.
0: <laughs> they 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 made a bone gate out of crystals and externals. Yeah. how did it, did it feel good to murder kill all of the externals? Because I was excited <laughs> when I saw that. I well, I'm not a traditional fan of the externals. But it was very interesting to see those old mutant bones pave a way for a new mutant order.
2: Yeah, I mean, in a very... all Is it fun to, like, just have, like, Richter roll up and, like, nuke all the externals? Absolutely. That's, like, one of the fun things about writing comics is just getting to, to have characters, like... Just beat up other characters that you know Like that's fun But really the core of it Like the reason I chose the, the externals Is not because I was looking for um, You know someone fun for this I mean it was because you know back from I've been thinking about the externals Since I started writing Excalibur Because hmm. they do have a really weird And specific set of powers And because of their you know Proximity to Apocalypse Um, And because of their age and their their, you know, there's that discussion that Apocalypse has, where he's like, you know, we can't be kept apart as mutants. We no longer they can't keep us apart. They can't kill us. And that has always been the gift of the external. So if we are the highest version of mutant kind, even if it's not the way we expected, we have to accept that you are no longer a needed role model. (laughs) You know, you are no Mm. longer a needed guide. You have served your purpose in. Modeling these gifts of immortality and community as a coven. um, Thanks and bye. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, and it was important to me because Apocalypse is a really complicated character to write about in the role of, of not, you know, explicitly villainous and murderous. Um, And, when I sit down, you know, with the apocalypse in my mind and we talk about him, we, we, we get to know each other. Um, I really think he believes what he says in Excalibur 12, that he is old and he knows he's old, but he knows that age is not inherently virtuous or better.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I think he believes that. I really do. Um whether or well, not and... that will lead him to good or bad things is remains to be seen, but but I think he mm-hmm. truly believes mm-hmm.
1: that. Yeah, I mean in many ways, Teeny, um, you know, like John has kind of centered a lot of Hoxpox's mysteries around retconning the history of Moira. But you've really kind of taken Apocalypse into a new place that makes us reconsider where he's come from and and his whole deal i think we're going to get a lot of that out of this new event
2: thank you and and also i realize i didn't actually answer your question about how this ties into jonathan stuff which is really funny because i have a really bad habit of uh jonathan will ask me a question i'll talk at him for five minutes and then he'll say you didn't answer my question (laughs) listen as 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 long as we get there you're getting a glimpse of our uh of our work relationship here um no uh Truthfully, the way that it, it married in was that a lot of a lot of what you're seeing about Apocalypse and, and you know, if you read Marvel Comics From Thousand you saw Jonathan's page there, you know this, like mm-hmm. Jonathan and I both came ready to say a lot of things about Apocalypse. And Jonathan and I obviously are really, really different in the kind of books we write, but in the kind of things we like think about and the kind of things we like in stories, we're actually really similar. So mm-hmm. like we it's like we meet up at a place and then walk two different directions with it, but like mm-hmm. we know what like we, part of why we did this event was because we just realized that we had the same feelings about the story we wanted to do and that we understood each other and that, man, this story is cool if Jonathan does it. And it's hopefully cool if I do it, but it's really cool if we do it together because
1: I thought you were going to say cooler if I did it,
2: <laughs> you know, uh, maybe I should
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll just I tease him a little bit. Yeah,
2: no, I mean, I, I, I admire the hell out of the guy and his work. That's that's why I love working with him.
1: So but well, I do also I like to make j- j- jokes. <laughs> yeah, if I can jump in on that, um, one of the things that that Hickman set up in Hawksbox is these data pages, you know, as part of the stylistic conceit of the line moving forward. Um, it, it's been really interesting right from the get out uh, from issue number one and moving up to 12. You've been dropping clues through these uh, grimoire pages of Apocalypse as to exactly what is going to happen but I think along the line, I think a lot of readers were kind of scratching their heads and going, "What the heck is this? What does this mean?" And today, reading this, I, I told you before we came on the air, I had this entire like epiphany moment where I was like, "Oh my god, she's been telling us the whole time." <laughs> this is satisfying. Oh, I'm so glad. Um, so, um, how how do you because it's it's twelve issues, like we're talking about a year's worth of comics. Um, not
0: not even mentioning the. The unfortunateness that's around us. Sure. The Link, The link The delays in
1: publishing. But, like, uh, what went into structuring that that timeline of how you were dropping these little hints to to pay off in this issue? Sure.
2: Um, well, also, okay. So, also, if you've read Excalibur twelve today, then you also noticed that uh, some characters that everyone seemed to think I forgot about showed up. The uh, Captain's Britain from Excalibur ten.
0: How dare you! How dare you take an entire issue! <laughs> Of not continuing to see the plot point. But, you know, like,
2: and that's, it's really rewarding to hear you say that, like, the the grimoire pages in 12 and, like, you, you, it really helped things for you. Because, you know, for me, I've, I learned that, I always credit Shelley Bond, who was my editor on Euthanauts and Assassinistas and is a dear friend of mine. She... Fantastic
0: book if you haven't read uh, Euthanauts. Go check that out.
2: Thank you. Thank you. I'm very proud of it. Um, It...
0: Got Nick Robles on her. It's
2: pretty good. Oh, my gosh. He's absolutely he's he's an angel in his heart and a beast with a pen like he's just so good uh i would work with nick any day anytime on anything i love him so much uh but shelly always taught me you know that you don't write for the the social media bump you don't write for the day your book comes out you don't write for the conversation at the comic shop on wednesday you write for eternity that book is on the shelf um Mm -hmm. and it's uh and also uh, jonathan is super super good at looking at you know early on in next cover like now he doesn't like have as much individual oversight because we all just talk openly about what's going on in our books so it's mm-hmm. less like an approvals process and more just like a let me know where you're going I'll you know we'll we'll all say yes or no to each other if that works or doesn't work or we think it's the wrong beat or whatever but early on uh I, you know this is also my first ongoing comic uh, I've ever written you know um
1: mm-hmm.
2: and so having Jonathan being like slow down take your time and having also Shelley's things that she taught me uh when i was working with her it it gave me a lot of trust in myself to just say you know um what i'm writing for is is the reward moment is is adam's moment after a a year of reading the comic um i'm very grateful to fans like adam that wait the year for it however uh (laughs) for the rest of forever people are gonna pick up you know a trade and read it and maybe pick up the second one or a, a, you know, whatever, like they're going to read that in like a setting. So (laughs) I have to think about that, about it being both a satisfying read for readers in the future and also a satisfying read for the monthly fans. Um, And sometimes um, I just err on the side of writers that I've loved are, usually writers that are not afraid to be a little confusing um because they know where the story's going and they're not afraid to play the game where they say hold on to my hands and trust me the ground under your feet might feel a little shaky but it's going to be exhilarating when you figure out we're flying you know (laughs) and like I i am really really grateful to readers that hang on with that because for me planning out a year of comics and knowing where i'm going is um it's an Like it's it's a true north. Like I'm always always writing towards a a goal, um, mm-hmm. and my job is to unveil the petals of that goal as artfully as possible as you guys watch.
0: Um, now, following up with that, uh, I th- I think it's fair to state that the X Men books as a whole have been pretty successful yes we're uh, they, they they've they've done pretty well it's gotten a lot of people excited uh has that success changed your planning on this knowing that hey you have some runway here you've got you've got a little bit of track that you can go forward and tell a longer form story than you could in like say a five issue book that hey maybe if this sells like gangbusters we we'll give you another arc i
2: mean yeah but also at the same time like you know, in the planning, in the building of Ten of Swords, so much about everything changes so much in the outcome mm-hmm. that, you know, um, as a result, uh, yeah, it just feels like at the end of the event, it just feels like everything is really, like, blown wide open in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know... it it, it's exciting to say you know um to get to what looks like you know okay is is we're going towards this big event do we have to do this and then turn you know this is our big event and then we we turn around and we head back home um we just keep going you -hmm. know uh and it's super exciting because it it makes us as writers uh really confident and really brave and um we're really really supported um you know if people pitch a crazy idea in the room and it sounds like a crazy game-breaking thing and we're all like uh you know wild about it then it's like well we talk it out like we we respect as as writers each other's um passion and and you know urge to tell a story if someone says hey i I really want to do this story we say okay let's figure out a way to do it that's you know that's good and, and that makes everyone happy but like there's there aren't a lot of no's in the X room. There's, there's a lot of notes sometimes, but there aren't a lot of no's.
1: <laughs> I actually wanted to ask you about that, Tini, because um, you guys uh, just this past Monday before we're recording, our buddy Chris Hassan over at uh, AIPT did an X-Men Monday with a bunch of the, uh, the X writers. And you really do get the impression that it is much more of like a writer's room. Um, as opposed to, hey, everybody's just sort of like periodically checking in with each other. Like you guys seem very, very connected to the to the point where at some point, I think during that during that uh, series of questions, it, it did seem like you guys had made some very big structural changes to uh, Ten of Swords based on the publishing schedule and the, the scope of the story. Um, I'm just kind of curious, like you're saying that people don't say no a lot um what is the atmosphere like as part of this collaborative process for you guys and and how do you get to a point where you say this crossover event that was going to be what like you know i don't know 12 issues is now going to be 22 issues or something like that
2: sure i mean um uh yeah, I mean, like Jonathan said a little about in the the AIPT thing um, where he talked about how part of it was a result of, uh, you know, the X line suddenly with pandemic changes being, um, you know, more of the line just percentage wise mm-hmm. because of yeah. the way things shook out. Um, and so when we uh, chose to do this, it was because you know one there was a lot of stuff we all wanted to fit into this event we all had a lot of ideas and it had so much potential that it felt like oh good like there are things that are some of my favorite moments in the whole event that I was really when the event was smaller I was pretty sure we're gonna end up you know either just passed over or on the cutting room floor Um, and now they're central parts of the event and it feels so good because it wasn't like hey guys come up with more stuff because we have to it was like hey guys we're a bigger part of the line than we expected
1: Mm -hmm.
2: so there's a lot of pressure on us to do our best work but if we think we can do it like it was kind of like you know uh you want to make your best cupcakes right um and you made (laughs) enough you made enough batter for 22 cupcakes but then like The pan they give you only has, like, 16 cupcake holes, so some of them end up, like, you end up with extra (laughs) batter, or you end up with cupcakes that are over full, or, you know, and instead it was like, okay, we can have 22 cupcakes, but we need to make enough batter for 22 kick-ass cupcakes, Mm -hmm. Uh, and we all had more than enough ingredients, so... (laughs) It just works. If I could
1: stay with your cupcake uh, analogy I love for a it. second, yeah, let's like, do it. and you're talking about exchanging notes with, uh, with the other people here who are incredibly talented, just like as you are, um, yeah. what do you do when, when like somebody is like, hey, uh, what if you want like this kind of frosting? Put some more frosting on your cupcake, and you're like, I, I don't know. Like, uh, when you're saying people don't say no in the writers' room, is it just that like everybody is just firing on all cylinders and everything is a great idea? Um, or are there, you know, are there certain things where people are just like being respectful of everybody's corner? I'm just kind of curious, like where, where are the boundaries for everybody? That's a really
2: good question. Um, well, the upcoming talking Jonathan Hickman action figure, if you pull the string on his back, he says, this is the bad version, which is like a joke we all have. But really what it means is like when we pitch ideas to each other, what we're sometimes, what we say when we say this is the bad version is what we're actually saying is like, I have an idea, and I might not have all the details right, but this mm. beat might be good. Like, maybe this character needs a loss there, or maybe you've brought up these relationships, but you've forgot you forgot, or not forgotten, but like maybe just you didn't remember that these two characters also have their own relationship, and you can play off that. Things like that, where it's just, like, supplemental, or often it's just like a, I think this needs to happen here but – and and it was brought up in the AIPT thing, like, but we, we don't have ego. Like, we realize that we're all there talking about stories. We're not talking about ourselves. Like,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
2: you know, uh, Leah telling me my idea sucks isn't – she doesn't – she's too nice. Um, they do <laughs> she's so. a very nice person. But, like, Leah telling me my idea sucks is not Leah telling me my idea sucks. And also, no one says that idea sucks. Like, what we say is, like, like, okay – do do we think that work? Like, do we think that beat works Mm. or like, um, does anyone have a problem with that? And like, sometimes, you know, when we're all really good about, and also like Jordan and Annalise and our editors too, are, are great editors. They never hesitate to be like, you know, Jordan is really really good about this. If if we're all in the room being weirdo artists and we're like, yeah, this beat makes so much sense because it makes us all feel so good, and Jordan is like, but as the editor, it doesn't make sense. Like, we'll stop and listen and work that out. You know, like, and that happens sometimes. Poor Jordan, right? And Jordan is like, I know you all want cupcakes for dinner, but you have to eat vegetables. And we're like, okay. Uh
1: like, and
2: it's 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 often really, but it's never it's never like he's saying like stop having fun. Like it's like. He's always, like, okay, like, he's really good about being, like, here's the roadblocks you're not seeing. Now convince me mm-hmm. to work to work around them. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Jordan's a great editor because he wants to be convinced of the best story possible. Mm-hmm. He loves, you know, and Jonathan is the same way, too. Like, he loves when you just, uh, I, I mean, I had just the other day, I was, like, literally in the Slack. I was, like, hey, this is, like, a down-the-road idea, but I think it's kind of crazy I literally just occurred to me what do we think and it was so good to instantly have like feedback from like other you know creators and editors I respect being like that's a great idea you should definitely lean into that so it's like it's also really nurturing because it's like oh good now I feel like free to expand on that idea without being like sometimes comics is really lonely someone asks you for an idea Mm -hmm. you write a 10-page pitch with no feedback and you just hope they read it and like it kind of nice mm-hmm. to be told like that's a good idea it's such a good idea that I would actually read a pitch you wrote up about it instead of don't waste your time that's not a good idea <laughs> that's
0: that's, awesome. that's interesting to hear for sure uh, one one thing that's been interesting about this event uh, specifically one of the ingredients you guys are using is the use of tarot uh, which is something that a lot of the marketing and talk has been built around it's a novel thing for a superhero comic to kind of structure itself based on. Is it appealing to tap into some of those influences of yours that have not really had a lot of uh, airtime in superhero comics? And is it structurally useful to use something like tarot that does have a distinct, like, way it works uh, to use in an event sure. as a tool?
2: Um, well, you know, the most interesting revelation I've had about mm. tarot writing this event is that it's um, the interpretation of sequential images.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, oh, like a comic. Like a comic. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I'm dumb. Wow. Okay, yeah. That's what comic books yeah. are.
2: <laughs> it's pretty cool, right? Um, but also, you know, a lot of it, again, this is the kind of thing that just happens from the freedom of being in a writer's room is that uh, you know, when you get an idea like uh like oh well what if it was themed after tarot cards because there's tarot cards in powers of 10 and um because of this that and the other and like you know and i'm like I, it starts like and in the room it's something like i say it like well what about tarot you know and everyone's like well i don't know anything about tarot and i'm like well i do let me explain why tarot is a good idea and then it's like oh okay like i kind of definitely became the the, the tarot expert um for the event and uh it's been a lot of fun like it's it's great because i don't think that tarot is something you use to see into the future though of course in a world of of comics and mystery and magic that's a thing that can happen but mm-hmm. i really think that uh, tarot is an interesting tool of self discovery and a mm. game of archetypes and a lesson in archetypes and stuff. So, uh, you know, I think that the tarot in 10 of swords is less about, uh, unveiling the future and more about understanding, um, the roles we play to one another, because when you look at the major arcana, you know, which are the cards that are for the most part, you know, people, um, Mm -hmm. the ones with pictures of people on them, um, or chariots Mm -hmm. or wheels, whatever. Uh those are really archetypes. Like those are people in your life that have relations to relationships to you in a lot of ways, right? Like the page of cups is like a young, uh, typically masculine presenting person who uh is, you know, emotional and loving. Like that's the that's the page of cups. Like that's that's an archetype that person has. So like the tarot in Ten of Swords is less about casting the future and more about roles and relationships to one another that we the archetypes we hold um yeah i'm I'm going off a lot
0: but no (laughs) it's okay this this is good i'd say for me personally i've read a lot about x-men i i but not a lot lot about about tarot (laughs) i ain't got nothing on tarot which is something that a lot of our writers for Xavier Files have been deciding to get books on tarot and be like well now I guess we have to know this too Mm
1: -hmm. which has
0: been interesting but we were curious what recommendations you had for resources about learning about tarot
2: oh that's that's a good one uh so uh I'll say that you don't if you don't know the tarot that that you'll you'll still be able to enjoy ten of swords you know if if all you know about the tarot is that they're cards with pretty pictures and they're sort of fortune tellery like that's fine that's all you need to know. However, the tarot of the event is totally uh, something I researched a lot. Um, it, there's uh, uh, There are no like random card choices or anything like that in the event. So I guess mm-hmm. in a way, if you know tarot, you get a sort of like trivia track, director's cut, second screen experience where you can kind of try to maybe figure out what people are doing and, and um, what will come of them if you know the tarot. Uh, but it certainly isn't required. But if you want to learn mm-hmm. about tarot, uh, honestly, the biggest recommendation I can give is a brand new book that just came out by Yoshi Yoshitane called uh, The Tarot of the Divine. And it has a companion book called Beneath the Moon Um, And it is a fantastic resource for tarot because each card is a different mythological figure that teaches you about the story and the archetype. And it is a fantastic global resource for world mythology. It is not like I grew up with a mythic tarot that was just Greek mythology and I learned a lot from it. And I loved Greek mythology as a kid. But this is so cool because it's... uh, all over the world not centered just in one place um but yeah Mm -hmm. beneath the moon and the tarot divine tarot of the divine by yoshi yoshitani it just came out um and if you honestly the tarot book that i would have recommended you before is now out of print so i'm happy to recommend this one that is in print (laughs) and done by a friend but there are some great websites like there's biddy tarot b-i-d-d-y tarot.com biddy tarot is really good if you just need to like it's got a big, friendly search bar at the top, and you can just type whatever card you're curious about in it. And um, it's a it's a good one too. If you if you're a website person, Biddy Tarot, it's free, easy. They don't pay me; I just use them a lot. But if you're looking for, uh, you <laughs> they know, should good deep dive with beautiful art, with a deck and a book and everything you'd want to know. Beneath the Moon Tarot of the Divine.
0: Sorry, I I I have to get this in because the people who have been recommending it to me that I have not bought or read, uh, would yell if I didn't. Rachel Pollack's tarot wisdom.
2: I didn't know Rachel Pollack did a tarot
0: book. Yeah. yeah. Rachel Pollack from uh, yes,
2: that Rachel Pollack did a tarot book.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's beloved by nearly half a million tarot enthusiasts. Well, is I'm what it says on the Google literally
2: purchasing that while we're talking. Okay. Anyway,
0: <laughs> I've heard, I've heard very good things about it. I've not read it. Uh, but it's Rachel Pollock who you know out Grant Morrison to Grant Morrison on Doom Patrol, so <laughs> uh, probably pretty decent there.
1: You have some amazing, amazing artists on uh, this this crossover event, and we are on the uh, the I guess Eve of the Eve of some new Pepe Lorraz and Marte Garcia uh, coming out to the public like what is that like when your uh storytelling gets brought back to you with these visual masters doing uh doing their amazing stuff with with your ideas
2: um so i'd never worked with pepe before um Mm -hmm. i had met him and like chatted with him we sat next to each other at like like two C2E2s
0: ago when, like, Hawks pox It absolutely drops Yeah, I was, like, next mm-hmm. to him. It's how I figured out you were on the books because you were between him and Jonathan Hitchens. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just, like, flopped me there. Oh. Oh, that's a thing. Wonder
2: who's going to be writing the new X Men books. And meanwhile, I'm just, like, <laughs> hanging out with Jonathan Pebe. um So, uh, I was really, really, uh, like, nervous but excited because like i really like pepe mm. as a person but i'd never like written pages for him before and the one thing that jonathan told me about working with pepe before i did which absolutely turned out to be 100 percent true is you gotta not over direct him because you can't come up with anything better than he's gonna draw
1: ah. and i
2: was like okay and he's absolutely right like Um, and Pepe really likes, like, inspiration and art, and he's, like, he's, he's really good about, like, gathering, like, inspo, and, like, that's part of why his art's so good, because he just, like, it's, like, it allows himself to be inspired by so many things, and then, like, spits them, his own art out, and it's just, like, nothing else. Um, and so I, like, sent him a lot of weird, weird reference, and when you see some of the work he's done, uh, especially in Stasis, um,
0: that's the one with the large crocodile boy on it <laughs>
2: Yeah, when, when you guys get to stasis uh, I mean, I'm, that's Some of my favorite work I've ever, ever seen from Pepe. But of course, I also have seen destruction pages That are blowing my mind, so I don't know, the point is, you can't overdirect Pepe He's too good, he can't be stopped uh Yeah, and John's absolutely right. All I, All I got to do is be like, here are my inspirations. Here's what I'm thinking of. But I can't tell, like, I can't be like, it needs to be this and this tall and this character needs to be there on the right side of the room. There need to be chairs. I can't do that with Pepe. I have to say, here's what the room feels like. Here's what's going on in it. And if you want, this is what I was thinking of when I wrote these mm. lines. And, like, he just he's a storyteller he gets into the story and is like this is how it needs to look he's a director as an artist you mm-hmm. know he's so good
1: well isn't well, the original like description of pog or pog just a monster right and like yeah throwing it throwing well, it to him and being like yeah do it do yeah. your thing
2: i mean yeah there there are uh there's a lot to learn and love about pog
0: <laughs> listen listen i i may have commissioned some I art of hawk <laughs> the first message i got back from the artist who's uh, the fantastic kyle starks uh, go check him out uh, if you've not read literally anything he's written it's old
2: head incredible. sex castle any of his rick and morty stuff rock candy mountain i'm gonna say Sex rock castle candy mountain again. made me
0: cry on an airplane it's very good sex
2: castle made me cry on an airplane <laughs> <laughs> um, Kyle's a dear guys friend cry
0: a lot on
1: airplanes we,
2: I, It was only the one time <laughs> Listen, Adam, no, Adam, I'm going to confess No judgment to you. No, 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 here's the thing I'm very tired when I come home from conventions And I have made of course. it Literally, it is, it's practically self-care at this point We're at the mm. con, I buy myself a new book I really want to read And I read it on the airplane on the way home And for some reason It always ends up being a book That makes me cry every time even if i've read it before i remember buying the hardcover of high crimes and being like i love this book i'm gonna reread it on the plane home and i was like crying i was like i don't think this book made me cry the first time (laughs) it's a
1: good combo
2: something about being tired and like alone and like an airplane and like reading something emotional that makes you feel connected to humanity i i always have a good cry reading a comic on the airplane on the way home from a con hand to god it's therapeutic
1: (laughs) i love it i love it as opposed to Mr. Hickman, who's uh, getting air, airport uh, massages.
0: Uh. Adam, that was a lie. You that know? was a—he's a storyteller, and he was telling a story on that one. We bud. were
2: so tired coming back from that con, con and then retreat right after, and the state of the world was in such like madness that I wasn't there. But like Jonathan might have been crying during his massage.
1: We were all <laughs> <No>. really tired. <laughs> I believe it word for word.
0: Well, before before we uh, cry from all of the Twitter questions that we have. Oh yeah, I'll be quicker with those, I promise. Oh, you're don't worry. I picked the ones that are quick. <laughs> I've done this one before. We have one quick question for you. It can just be a one-word answer. Is there anyone you've gotten to write for the first time in Ten of Swords that really excited you? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you could it could have been two words like yes <laughs> This person. But yes is fine.
2: (laughs) Let me think for a minute. There's like when I said. I.
0: I, It's always the one right at the end that trips up people.
2: Like I'll say yes multiple. How about that?
0: All right. That's fair. We'll take it. That was two Uh, words.
2: I'll I'll also give you an extra. um, The most excited I got before that. Before the Ten of Swords. The most excited I got getting to write a character for the first time was when I got to put words in Magneto's mouth in Empire yeah but i got to i got to have him roll up and regulate um because people weren't listening to his husband so that was really therapeutic that was like okay that's uh that's what i want to oh do when i write magneto and it was like i'd never gotten to put words in his mouth before and i was like all right i feel good about that
1: one
0: that was such well, a fun
1: little crossover
0: it was a really fun time to make too <laughs> yeah i bet it seemed very fun to make yeah. it sure was <laughs> Uh, but what what's also fun is our questions from people from Twitter. Uh, a million people sent in questions, so we just chose a handful here. The first one from at Adam Eve who asked, "If Ten of Swords was a Kate Bush album, which one would it be?" Hounds of Love. <laughs> Hounds of Love. Mm-hmm. I don't listen to Kate Bush. It's nothing against her. I just never have.
2: Hounds of Love is kind of like the obvious, like basic answer. Like of like everyone loves Hounds of Love, but like legitimately like. that's the album that I listen to a lot when I write Excalibur stuff. Like I listen to a lot of Kate Bush and I listen to a lot of Hounds of Love and uh, a lot of songs on that album remind me of Betsy and make me cry. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, Hounds of Love.
0: Now, keeping on the musical theme, J underscore Partridge L Justin Partridge asks, how many Blur slash Kylie Montague albums do the Braddock siblings have between them?
2: Sure, sure. I think you mean Kylie Minogue, and I'm not mad. I was going to say, say Kylie well, Minogue.
0: Well, again, again, <laughs> I don't actually listen to any Zach, of this music. Zach. I've, heard, I've heard, like, Song 2 or whatever from Blur. I wasn't a Britpop guy. Kill oh, my me. God. We got to get you some yeah, records, buddy. Yeah, we got to
2: get you some to Blur. Um, I'll say this. Uh, I have a Brian Braddock playlist that has Cupid Boy by Kylie Minogue on it yeah
1: (laughs) are you excited for the new album
2: i am i love her so much i'm so glad she's doing okay like oh
1: yeah yeah she's she's been through a lot
2: she's such an an icon too for anyone that like i don't know in my case like grew up dancing in gay bars and stuff so
0: (laughs) all right uh levi p Tompkins asks betsy has changed bodies recently and since becoming captain britain uh, has gone through even more changes. Uh, do her changes physically affect where her mindset is? Or in a sense, is it just, or her sense of what she needs as a person right now?
2: Uh, totally. That's such a good question. Um, yeah. Again, like going into like what I was saying earlier, just about being really grateful for the patience of readers who are understanding that this is a full story that just happens to come out monthly. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, not that I don't write it for monthly re- release, but the, the I know, like, sometimes I, I, I want to make you guys wait so stuff is sweeter. Mm. Uh, yeah, Betsy... Betsy's relationship with her physicality and her body and her past uh, and Kanon and all of that is uh, stuff that I'm really, really invested in and really, really interested in. Um, I love that uh, I don't know I I have a lot of thoughts and feelings and stuff that uh, is going to be approached in um, upcoming Excalibur stories just about the relationship with with being you know with Betsy who was um, you know a model and you know a psychic and uh, then you know spent a lot of time in a body that was not her own Uh, I think there's a lot of interesting things I mean you know Leah wrote some awesome stuff in, uh, in her Age of X stuff about Betsy and her relationship mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. her body. Uh, Leah and I have talked a lot about that, and that's something that uh, we really believe um, is a part of Betsy's emotional journey.
0: And you actually, you actually just recently talked a good amount about that on uh, Connor Goldsmith's uh, Cerebrocast mm-hmm. a couple weeks back, if people want more information on that one.
2: Oh yeah, he's he's doing great work, and he's having a bunch of cool people on talking about uh, characters. And he does these great histories of each character, so like, it's a good way to like if you haven't caught up on everything about your favorite character, it's a good way to like hear their status quo.
1: Teeny, before yeah. Zach goes to the next question, I, I hear I, I think I heard you say Conan uh, <laughs> instead of Quanan. Is that the uh, the new note? Like are, I. We did do a quick piece about that on Xavier Files. Is, is that uh, the ex-office is now saying Kanon instead um, of uh, Kwanin?
2: You know, I actually haven't brought it up with the rest of the office. I should.
1: Uh, <laughs> ah, I love it. I ha- Yeah, I,
2: I haven't. It's just when I was talking to Connor, he said that he had spoken to some people who were like, it's, you know, it's it's based on, uh, like, uh, Kanyin, the Buddhist goddess of mercy mm-hmm. and the... the that Quanon is like an anglicized version but that the W is actually not pronounced and that it should be pronounced Kanon um, but if somebody like knows that that's wrong and they want to correct me that's awesome uh, I would love to know more
1: but no uh... no you're you're correct it's just interesting because um, like Fabian Nicieza says he he's cool with it whichever way like he didn't have like a preference but I'm just interested to see if that's like part of the lexicon now
2: I mean, yeah, it's the way I say it now because I've uh, nice. uh, been corrected to that's how it should sound. So that's how I pronounce it. Uh,
0: Love it. Yeah. Love it. All right. Uh, speaking speaking of names, uh, Marvordian X asks... At what point was the decision made to change the artist formerly known as Apocalypse's name, and how did you end up with dot dash line, (laughs) A with a dot on it, line dash dot?
2: I looked at Jonathan, and I said, I have a weird idea.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I said, maybe I've
2: read too many Grant Morrison comics, but I like the idea that humans can't read his name or pronounce it because it is just not for humans. Yeah. It's for mutants. Uh, and that's my answer on it. And because it's comics, there's people being like, what's the science of it? Is there Are their tongues different?
0: And I'm like... It's a memetic sigil, guys. You is, just gotta deal with it. Yes. It is
2: a thing that is meant to it is Apocalypse's deliberate choice to say humans, whatever humans call me, it's wrong. Keep my name out your mouth.
0: C.K. Garcia 07 asks a picture, uh, asks a question with a picture. And it's a picture of the Fury, uh, yeah. which kills superheroes. Mm-hmm. What'd you think about the Fury, he, who kills superheroes?
2: I think you should ask me again uh, in a couple months.
0: <laughs> that's the content we are here for i i, I, I no, i mean
2: look i'm not saying anyone's showing up i'm not saying anyone's doing anything but you might have more of an idea uh, about what i think about them. Hmm.
0: about the fury that kills superheroes <laughs> love the fury that's good uh nola fowl asks uh without labor laws how does krakoa ensure equitable compensation for labor How long are shifts in the Green Lagoon, and who is the overall manager? Okay, well, here's the thing.
2: They they only stick to this idea that they have to have a job and, like, open and close a bar because they were all raised in human society where, like, everything Mm. doesn't grow on a tree, right? So, uh, I don't know. I mean, Freddy's the manager. I actually talked to Leah about this recently. I think Pixie takes shifts there someone else Anna,
1: Anna is, is there, there right Anna is serving yeah, up drinks. yeah
2: he's there yeah and and freddie is like the manager um <laughs> but i think he just like opens it when he feels like it and like when he's not there they just walk to like you know one of the other trees A
1: tree. serving
2: champagne <laughs> and drink there instead uh but you know i i think it's also an interesting thing when we talk about um mutants building things they have lost because they're they weren't able to thrive and grow over time as a community it's like these Mm -hmm. community spaces um and the different Mm -hmm. functions of different community spaces and you'll see you know on Krakoa as you know uh if you you know if you haven't read the books too if you if you're like new to Krakoa you see that like we use these community spaces for different reasons Mm -hmm. um there it's there are only three laws the law doesn't say like you have to get drunk in the green or the green I just like <laughs> to get drunk there like because that's the community space we go for that kind of revelry mm.
0: well that's good uh we got we got two quick ones for you uh the first one comes to us from ash can press who asks uh who is teeny's favorite writer to write x-men Matt that Rosenberg. is also from New York. You don't even need to tell me, has has me the rest before. of the question.
2: My favorite X-Men writer is Matt Rosenberg. I won't hear the rest of the question. <laughs> I refuse. The only answer is Matt Rosenberg. Next question.
0: All right. Well, thank you, at Ashcan Press, for that one. I'm pretty sure uh, I have that one... guy
2: blocked, but he
0: had a good question. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That makes sense. Understandable. Uh, last question. Uh, this comes from J.W. Rush, who asks – a lot of people have been asking X creators what their favorite sword is, but what's your favorite S word? Serpentine. Mm. <laughs> that's
1: very good. Or maybe
2: Saturnine, but that's a name, not a word.
1: <laughs> that's still a word. We could we can count it. Names are words, right?
0: Sure. Sometimes. Let's go with that.
1: Unless you can you can't pronounce them because they're in Kirkcoin.
0: Oh, the answer oh, to
2: what? who how we settled on the sigil was I asked. I have no skill with graphic design, and Jonathan does, so I asked him to make me a sigil. <laughs> that's
0: oh, that's so cool. Great. Are you telling me that graphic design is Jonathan Hickman's passion? You <laughs> <laughs>
2: sure better. I literally had to like show him and edit to something the other night, and it was pathetic. I had to like screenshot his page and like draw on it with my finger on my oh, phone. My like I am an absolute leet when it comes to design in every way that he's like very good at it. <laughs>
0: He loves him some circles and some white space. It's (laughs) very good.
2: Please enjoy Ten of Swords. (laughs) Oh,
0: well, Tini, that's all we have uh, for you. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, If Ten of Swords comes out on Wednesday uh, and then you're writing the, you know, Big Mac issues in between everything as well as uh what like three issues of excalibur in this there
2: are three issues of excalibur that uh tie directly that are, are part of have swords and then yeah there are the three main issues which were co-written, co-written by jonathan and i uh yeah
0: that is great uh if uh if you want to be found online where can uh where can people do that
2: uh at teeny howard uh, i'm on twitter and instagram i don't i'm not super chatty but uh, i post about books and stuff uh ti and i howard like the duck mm-hmm.
0: that's awesome uh yeah me and adam are at the normal places xavier files and arthur stacy uh if you want more exciting stuff about ten of swords we have coverage every wednesday about all of the ten of swords stuff that's going on in order so make sure you check that out we've got some fantastic writers for xavier files who are going to be uh, trying to find all these neat things that Teeny and crew are doing in that one. So make sure you all do that. If you want to hear another really great interview, uh, editor Jordan D white was on uh, our friend, uh, the Chris and Christy Edelman's podcast. Chris is on infinite earths uh, talking about 10 of swords and it's a great, great one. Uh, we'll link to it. Y'all should check that out too. That's
2: such a good podcast name.
0: Uh, it's legitimately <laughs> the it best out, podcast Tina. name.
1: Most underrated. Uh, they're so amazing. Check it out.
0: Oh, to go with oh, It's it's very good. Uh but that's all we've got. Next week, we're gonna talk about some weird ass gambit stories, guys. <laughs> oh, have um, fun. Is there
1: any other kind?
0: Um, I don't know. Do do in any of the other ones he go to Burning Man? Uh, because he does in this one.
1: More Burning Man stories? We got
0: look, this this will not involve Burning Man online, uh, which which is what Burning Man did during the time of Corona. That's right. Uh but it will be interesting. Uh Teeny, thank you once again for being on. It was great.
2: Thanks for having me, guys. Enjoy. Thanks, All right. And
0: it, until next time, this has been Battle of the Adam. We hope you survived the experience.
2: Get it!